Hey everybody, and thanks again for joining me today for another episode of the NHS 100K podcast with me, Matt Taylor. Uh, episode 29, 30, I think we're doing, so we're all right. So I listened on a podcast the other day that said, if you get past the 12th episode when you're starting your own podcast, then you, you're kind of halfway there. So we're all right. We're good. So we're still here. And today I am joined, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it because we tried it off air and I fluffed it up, but I don't want to be, uh, so it's Dr. Ishwaran Kohilathas. Yes, was that yeah, all right? Yeah, that yeah, right? yeah, it's good. It's good. <laughs> so, uh, so yes, yeah, so or uh, Doc Each for short, I think, which yeah. is so much down with the kids, as we said. But um, he's um, he's been a pretty amazing guy, and he's wrote a book called "Calling Out the Shots," which I have here. Yes, signed copy as well, which is uh, you know that's where we're going with these things. Um, so yeah, so he's, he's been up to lots and I'm, I'm really excited to have him here because he's got some really good stuff I want to get into with, um, some holistic and alternative medicine and other bits and pieces. So, uh, welcome to the show. Okay. Thank you uh, very much. My pleasure. No worries. So tell us, tell us about yourself, buddy. Cause I know that obviously I, your thread that was on Twitter said some people might know you, some people might not. Um, so what, what kind of happened? Did you go AWOL for a bit? Tell us, you know. I always do this, mate. I'll ask you seven questions, all right? <laughs> That's okay. That. Anyway, so, so the um, reason for that, for that introduction um, on Twitter was because um, I was banned, actually, um, for posting scientific facts um, and my own opinion about what's going on. Uh, last year, mid last year, I think. I think, I'm not too sure. Um, and so I'd left, oh, well, yeah, I was banned, uh, kind of permanently banned. And then I had to uh, set up a new account, um, which, uh, that could only work on my phone because every time I tried to make a new account on my laptop, uh, kind of Twitter had locked it. So, um, I was banned like four other times. So I was using my phone in a different account, um, trying to be a bit more careful, so I gained around two and a half thousand in my, uh, with my new account. And then I, um, I asked uh, Twitter again to uh, free my, my, my uh, first account. And then it did. So then I had kind of two accounts. So to get everyone on the same page um, and to just tell my story, I didn't even think it was going to turn to a thread. I didn't think it was going to turn uh, viral. I just mm. was like, okay, to get everyone on the same page, here's what's, what's, what's actually going on uh, and what can happen in my life. And then, you know, when you start kind of writing, you kind of kind of go into it and then it turned into like a deep reflection sort of exercise. And I was like, wow, um, one after the other, nonstop, just kind of typing. And you see loads of kind of spelling mistakes and things like that um, on that thread. But it was just me kind of uh saying what's been going on for the last kind of three years um maybe it was more of a self-reflection yeah more of my own self kind of therapy session really um at the end i felt like a big weight had been lifted off uh off my shoulders and then yeah everyone uh, a lot of people uh actually uh, contacted me later and were like wow um i didn't know this was actually going on and others like oh i'm really nice to see you back again on the on your um on your uh, first account um so yeah so that's been the story or the story of why i introduced uh myself on the uh, thread like that but for those who haven't read the th uh, thread um so i w uh, worked 
during the pandemic um, as uh, an A&E doctor. So uh, first line, even before the virus hit the uh, UK, we were asked to go and work uh, front line. So I was supposed to go um, and work in a general practice because uh, I'm a GP trainee. So basically we do three years before we become a GP. So that's like um, I'm a kind of registrar before I become a GP. And mm-hmm. f- uh, for that training, you have to do different kind of specialties. So I I had done my kind of any specialty and was moving on to my kind of general practice next. However, they wanted people to just kind of stay on. So they asked me and my colleagues to kind of just kind of stay on in a and to wait for the new wave, the, you know, the first wave the, of the pandemic. Now, obviously very scared, never seen, you know, this is COVID-19 before all the facts. So handful of studies, if that, all we know is the news, the uh, Chinese kind of falling over, very deadly. Everyone's really worried. So worried, but, you know, you have to do your job. You have to work in front line, kind of do your bit, you know, that kind of mentality, um, sure. and then wait for that to come. It hit, um, and things uh, changed in a and um, So I saw people with COVID-19 without a mask, and no, and no PCR test. So this is before all of that, and no PPE, nothing. Um, and then it was diagnosed on x-ray. <clears throat> and then even before that, even before we even hit the UK, I was always wondering why we didn't prepare ourselves for anything. You know, why didn't we change hospitals? If, if this was such a big issue, a pandemic, um, why didn't we prepare ourselves as a nation? And then only afterwards, only after a few months, did we actually introduce masks? I mean, now we know they, they make no difference, but um, we could have given individual supplements and things like that um exercise regimes and you know making people more healthy before a, a pandemic but yeah anyway that hit um looking after people nurses were kind of covering their mouths up before um seeing people with COVID-19 I remember my first case actually it was one of the first cases in the hospital and therefore probably one of the first cases of COVID-19 in the country Mm. um and i was looking after them doing a night shift and then there were loads of whispers going around going oh my god this is this is probably covid this is probably covid like this is how kind of fresh it was mm. um and then as time went on things changed new policies were put in place but also new more studies uh, became uh were done and it kind of throughout the pandemic i was reading more researching mainly but mainly to protect myself so i could protect my parents and then learning, uh, doing the research, learning it, um, looking at real life kind of evidence, I was understanding that we weren't really following any of the science. Um, and then uh, this was the case uh, in many other specialties. So I work in pediatrics, in uh, neonatology, in psychiatry, and in general practice afterwards uh, for the next uh, two years during the second peak. Uh, also during that time, I lost my grandmother and a good friend. Um, we can get, we can go into that in, and uh, why later. But um, basically, kind of through this journey, being frontline, understanding what's going on, seeing the real life evidence, researching, like reading at least five to 10 papers a day, um, and then seeing the transition between what was given, what care was given in the NHS, um, what we were doing in terms of policy and then the um, th- it was very disjointed and it wasn't kind of adding up to what I was uh, reading in the paper and in the 
in the scientific papers, I started questioning. And then it became tough for me to work, um, other personal issues at work, but also because the work wasn't very, uh, wasn't uh, following the science. And a year before I became, well, was, was to become a GP, I felt, uh, I, I left. I felt like it, uh, healthcare wasn't, uh, or this version of healthcare now um, wasn't uh, for me. I had kind of seen uh, too much. Um, and once you've seen, once you have some insight, you can't really go back. Um, you know what I mean? So mm. that's the kind of, that's the kind of summary of what's been going on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, it's, I was like listening to everyone's story. So, so, okay. To explain to everybody. So you've done your, you've done your, your, your uni and you've done your medicine, you've done your foundation year one, two and three. And then after that, you, you specialize and that's when you go either go into the GP practice or you'd go and specialize in this particular uh, part of the body. I think would be the best way of saying it, like cardiac or uh, like you say, pediatrics, obs and gynae or whatever. Um, so you got to the end of that period and then before special. So you're a doctor then, obviously, just let everybody know before anyone says he's a full doctor, guys. Um, you just left the NHS completely then, did you? Or was it just that particular hospital or, you know, what happened? I left completely. So, wow. yeah, I don't, I don't know if you want to go into exactly why, what was happening at yeah. that point. Yeah. So, yeah, let's do it. Um, I was working. So, I've done my specialties to see what's going on. I, I started to question my colleagues, for example, why did we have to wear masks on the ward, but not in the staff room? Um, <laughs> you know, why did we, yeah, that was a very common question. You know, why did we have to take an antibody test if it's, negative and and kind of positive what would that mean in terms of natural immunity even though the study said you can be naturally kind of immune to the virus with a negative antibody test mm -hmm. um you have to wear a mask and be fitted um so, and you had to do it you have to do like a fit test so i was like okay yeah. what if i if it was a negative fit test and a positive fit test then i would still be counted as positive so i was like that makes no sense because i also failed at that time so you know, these oh, just right. questions, just just like not to be difficult, not being difficult, just very, very, mm. you know, very politely, just assessing why exactly are we doing this? You know, because you have to ask, because um, it's your workplace, right? Yeah. Why do we have to walk up the stairs in one direction? Someone, you know, and not not the other way. Yeah. Very kind of clown world, like. But I was constantly trying to ask, and you would get back answers like, you know, that's just a policy. That's just the way that things work. You know, I was like, fine. And then as you start reading more and more journals, you go, wow, we really aren't actually following the science. And if you aren't following the science in healthcare, then people, um, then uh, patients die because you're not following um, uh, science. So you're, as doctors, nurses and paramedics and all kind of healthcare professionals, we are there to follow the science and be compassionate um, use uh, uh, logic to look after patients. Now, if that's not done, we're not a engineer, we're not um, a mechanic. If we make mistakes and we're not actually following the science, people die. People mm. suffer, they get uh, diseases, they die either now or later, and then staff have uh, burnout. And I've seen this happen. I've seen and like I've seen uh, negligence um uh, and it, people dying that they sh you know uh I, there was one patient due to medical errors because of mask wearing um uh, passed away you know these things I, I saw these things happening so I start questioning these things 
Um, and during different kind of specialties, I start questioning different things, but we'll get into that um, later. But during my uh, GP stent, which is my last one, before even starting the um, my specialty, they asked me my vaccination status, uh, my full vaccination status, but I knew they only wanted the one because to be working, I needed everything anyway. So I obviously mm. had taken the hep B and everything. So they only wanted yeah. to see my COVID-19. And I, I told them the truth. I said, I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't have it. <clears throat> and then like a day off. So before that, they were very friendly, um, talkative, chatty, um, teach me in a nice way, ask me, me to come into the room, you know, just, you know, res normal, respectful. And then after they found out my status, it was like, I had murdered their grandma, you know, um, rude, kind of ostracized in the GP practice um, by some of my colleagues. Um, just unnecessary comments kind of here and there about, you know, I remember one person saying, oh, can I, um, can I have ivermectin kind of doesn't work or something. I was questioning ivermectin because you can use it for skin. Um, and they were, and they brought up just like, oh, but it's not a conspiracy drug in this sense, like unnecessary comments um, whilst I was in the room. And um, and then, yeah, they asked me to stop seeing patients face-to-face. -face. Um, like all of a sudden, the next day, like, you can't see patients face-to-face -face because we because they had a meeting um, between themselves, not, not me, uh, but just the practice managers, and, and they felt it was safer for the patients and also for their health, but also to not kind of alarm the patients if I didn't see them face to face. I was yeah. like, okay, let's see where this goes. So I was doing phone calls, uh, but this disrupted my training and it was unscientific. So I had meetings um, and I said, you know, this was this what the paper says. I've never had COVID-19. I've got natural immunity. Um, I look after myself. A lot of you have had the jabs and a lot of you have had COVID more than once um but they weren't really hearing it and then they eventually said um i asked them why if we're not really following the science and uh, you know as doctors why are we doing this and then they eventually just told me it was just kind of practice politics um and i i told them i didn't become a doctor to to do politics you know so uh, with that and all of that in place and just before we were waiting for it was around the time where healthcare staff were like um the mandatory jazz come maybe come into place but yeah. I mean, none of my none of my colleagues kind of stood up for that you know it's very you know unscientific number one but you should there should never ever been even discussions for mandatory anything mandatory vaccinations and we questioned them and they will say oh that's the way it is it's like wow so i just knew around that point this wasn't the right place for me like i just knew too much in terms of the science the people I was with didn't care about the things I cared about in terms of patient safety, patient care, uh, scientific facts um, and ethics. And in terms of my own um, feeling and how I, was, how, I was, how I was being treated, I was like, well, I mean, I've seen a glimmer of or like a glimpse of what could happen. I was like, this is, um, yeah, not, not for me. I, I, can, I have to leave. And I didn't want to stay around hearing children being vaccinated, um, you know, and having this be part of the system, basically. Mm. So I 
made a choice to leave. Well, thank goodness he did. Right? <laughs> Because that's pretty much ex ha what's happened to a lot of us. That's pretty much the same as my story as well. When you yeah. know, got to that point, and it's just, it was. It, did you find it was an easy decision to decide? It's like, right, I'll just leave them. No, I. Mm. It, it wasn't. It. I, it's one of the hardest because, as you know, you work for this. It's not a job like any other job. You have to be dedicated and be a, that person. It, it's like you have to as a paramedic or as a medic, you, um, not anyone, um, it's a personality trait. Like you, from day one, you have to be fully immersed in the science, in the way things work and learn all these different skills. And not just from a textbook, you need to learn how hospitals work, how mm. to deal with trauma, how to deal with patients. So it's like you, it's a new culture that you've kind of stepped into um, and you've been, and I want to be a doctor since the age of six or, you know, so yeah. I've been learning and understanding uh, biology and um, I love the sciences, but also working hard since the age of not six, but, you know, um, yeah. from school to get to a good school and then working to get good A-levels and GCSEs and then going to medical school and then you know, all these, all these kind of exams. And then I wanted to be, a GP because that's the that's the career path I loved I'm a generalist um, like to see different types of conditions and diseases and I love my patients so to leave was a massive massive deal and um, the decision for me I said I said in the on the thread was I I drove to the surgery and I was thinking it was like months of like, oh my god, I I don't know if I can stay, but what about my finances? What about my future? What about you know, I maybe I could stay for a year, become a GP, then leave. But um, eventually, I, I parked my car in uh, just before work, <clears throat> and I sat in the car. And it might sound weird, but I had this warmth around me, and if this warmth could talk, it would say it. It said kind of everything would be okay. It said everything would be fine. And after that, I just felt like a weight had been lifted and I felt a, a calmness and a confidence. Um, and I went into work and said, and I, and I, like I told my supervisor, I'm uh, leaving. But um, I was just wondering if, did you, did, did you have the, when you left, was it more of a logical kind of decision? And did you sit down and work things out or? A bit of both, really. That's why I like to ask the question because it was a, people don't get the, the emotional. So most people just go to their job and have no emotional attachment to it. They just go to work, say hello to everyone, do their job and go home. Whereas when you work in medicine, like you say, no matter what the field, you have that emotional attachment in it because you need to be em empathetic. Uh, you need to have emotion to be able to treat the patients as well. It's not just about fixing them, is it? You know what I mean? You need to be there for them, talk to them, you know, treat them as if they're one of your own. So you, you, you are invested heavily emotionally into medicine as well as time and academic. The decision to leave, the, I think once, once they'd reversed it and I was expected to go back to work and just pretend like nothing had happened and there was no stress and, and, and you know, my, my line managers were like, there's nothing personal. I was just like, mate, I will karate chop you in the throat <laughs> and gladly watch you choke up. So, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I think it's time for me to go. So I think my brain was at the point of going, you need to get out of it. Uh, but I felt like I was, I, was, um, I was leaving the battlefield. That's how I felt. So the decision to get out of medicine was easy. I was like, yeah, I need to get out of this. It's a toxic environment. It's horrendous. 
I, I can't, but I didn't want to leave because I was like, I, I won't have access to the places that I, ha- that I had, you know, I won't be able to go and speak to the patients in the care homes in the hospitals, you know, and all the other bits and pieces I used to do. I won't be able to get the boots on the ground thing. So that, that was the issue. And then obviously the financial implications as well, but love, luckily enough, I've, I've got a very, very supportive spouse. My wife's amazing. And I t- say that all the time. I wouldn't be able to have, have done it if she didn't support me hundred percent. Um, so, but it wasn't always like that. It was difficult for a period of time. So, but you know, she, she, um, she came around in her own time, like you have to, you know what I mean? And, and she's amazing, but you know, it's still, it's still a delicate balance, but it wasn't, it wasn't an easy decision. It kind of was, but it wasn't, if that makes sense. Like, again, like I said, there's too much invested in it. So it's not like, oh, I'm just not going to come back off phone and sick, but yeah, it was, um, I wanted to leave, but I didn't because I felt like I was letting everybody down, even though I was on my own. <laughs> you know, I, I felt like uh, I was kind of letting the side down or I wouldn't have, like, you know, my VIP pass to to get the information that I needed from little old Doris, who was sat in the, uh, in the care room, who's had a fifth jab and she's had COVID 19 times and stuff and can't figure out what's wrong with it. I just, I, yeah, I'm so much better now I'm out, though. Are you the same? So much. Uh, mm. I mean, it's... I think for me, when I, I realized I left because I did it for me, I think I, I, I eventually learned it was, a, it was an act of self-love because even though now I'm, I'm if, if I compare myself to whilst working, kind of financially not, you know, really not, not actually well off. <clears throat> so um, so a, bit, a bit like you with the support of my girlfriend, and family um was the only reason i'm i'm the only reason i can you know write the book and kind of talk to you and be be okay mm-hmm. after uh, leaving my job but you know you have to configure things out and and you will i mean if i uh, needed money i can go into construction and anything but you're you become or i i felt i i felt a lot more free i felt extremely free because i listened to my soul mm. and i just everything became kind of aligned because I, I was living what I was saying. Like, yeah. And I had this confidence because no one could say that I, I hadn't seen what I had seen. I, I hadn't lived what I had lived. Um, and other people weren't leaving their, their jobs, even though they knew it wasn't well. And I understand why it's not, it's not very, it's not very, I mean, it, it can be very, uh, very difficult. Uh, too but there's other people who are willfully kind of blind right <clears throat> mm. but afterwards after i left um every, i just felt very aligned at peace like i was doing the right thing and the i think you can't put a price on uh, peace of mind like i just knew i wasn't part of the system i've never given a jab um always kind of spoken after the evidence came out more and more more kind of spoken kind of against it even whilst working mm. yeah. um and having that peace of mind um there's no money there's nothing you can you know there's no it's, it's kind of like an kind of like an infinite worth so i feel i feel really good and i, I would say before whilst working also it opened my eyes to the nine to five i think before i felt more of especially as a medic you're kind of spoon-fed in the system mm. and you become like a sheep or you put you you become like cattle so yeah. they they say they tell you where to go. You just do it, you know, and you get paid. It's all good. But once you leave and you become unemployed and you kind of need to find your own work, you do become like 
a, a carnival, like a hawk or a wolf, because you kind of need to every day go like, okay, how do I make money? How do mm. I help help as well and be aligned? Also make money and also uh, survive. So you on, I, I've understood the, the worth of money, the worth of not having money. Um, I've got more time with my, my family. Um, I'm doing more exercise outdoors. I've got more time to do research. I got less, no red tape, you know, so... <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really free. <clears throat> good. It's good to hear. It's good to hear. I think that it's, it's not been an easy ride for anybody. Um, you know, this this the last couple of years, even from a even if you have or haven't spoken out, it's not been easy. I know a lot of doctors that I've spoken to that have got in touch and they they've sent nice messages and I've said, you know, try to coax them to come on and like, oh, I'm not quite ready yet. And so they're, they're, they're the fear is still very much there for people. Um so, you know, we need to be thankful for people like yourself coming forward and speaking every day, really, to let people know. And I, I don't like having, like we spoke about briefly um, before, it's, it's you've got the high flyers that have been in this kind of, and I don't like to say movement, all right, because that sounds really military, you know what I mean? But um, I prefer like a, but then awakening, I don't know, people get frightened by that word as well, don't they? So it's, it's we need to work on the language that we use in this, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because the language we use it's just they, they've done a really good job with 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 um i don't like to swear very much but bastardizing certain words so as soon as you use it it just creates a whole stereotype and, and a picture in that person's head um and then it's really difficult to change change their perception but like i say i keep banging on about this that we first need to admit there's a problem first before we can fix it so what you're doing um what you're doing work-wise now then Work-wise now, so I have the book. So the book wasn't actually meant for income. Yeah, let's talk about I, <laughs> so, so basically when I left, I was like, what am I good at? What can I do? Um, and I could have gone into employment and become personal trainer because I'm a, a, a qualified personal trainer as well or done other things, gone into private uh, kind of holistic health. Um, but I... I just felt I needed to help and and I left because of a reason and I knew myself but many other people had a story to tell and the media wasn't saying it um I was banned on Twitter um I'm um warned on TikTok you know and on Instagram so I was like okay and also there's a, a threat of a new pandemic or next pandemic happening people are not very well so I was like I already had a knowledge of um herbal and kind of alternative medicine let's say so I was like what can I do that can combine everything together and and I what can I do to make something that won't get banned and I was like a book you know a book can't get banned and I could put my story in the, the kind of stories of others um who've been vaccinated um and then try to find answers because healthcare won't be able to look for answers in in those who um are injured because a the vaccine injury isn't even a terminology um in in medicine so therefore doctors won't be looking for answers and also yeah. there's this um no i loads of stories of those who are vaccine injured who can't get help because they've been either gaslit either, either because the doctor's in, in denial or that mm. let's say the kind of system is or because the fact that vaccine injury isn't even seen as a thing. So I was like, okay, seeing all this, I was like, I need to make something that maybe can help individuals, either injured or not, <clears throat> to first kind of improve their uh, the kind of 
their uh, natural defences, but also to help them with a wide range of issues um, from fertility to cardiovascular health and whatever I can I, I can. It's not intended to be kind of medical uh, kind of advice. So um, researching, went to the library nearly every day in the week um, until it closed. Um, I, I was on benefits uh, that year, um, and then. Uh, luckily for me, I started a Patreon, um, and some people donated for the Patreon. I mean, it, it wasn't a lot, but it was it was nice. So um, I was like, I need to get this book out. And at the same time, I've been writing other stuff in terms of healthcare, health kind of related uh, things as well. Um, so the book the book's out now. Um, it wasn't intended to make money, anything like that. It was intended to have this. You know, I have. If anyone doubts. Um, someone or if uh, if you're trying to find information about the vaccine or uh, injuries or any um, or what we need to do in the future that's that's there that's that's my contribution you know in terms of like a physical copy that can't get banned and in terms of making money now I'm looking into publishing different books um, and then make uh, working using that as a platform to hopefully um, start a personal uh not personal a health service hopefully mm. in the future for people uh injured or not it's just for kind of everyone um so yeah i think you know what i think we hopefully this whole situation has, has um made people take a bit more responsibility for their health i know it wouldn't have done with everybody but it definitely would have done with a few people i think people are now starting to realize that taking tablets isn't always you know pharmaceutical tablets anyway and not really knowing what you're taking them for or, you know, having been asked by your doctor what your diet's like, you know, it's just the whole thing needs to change, really. But then we also need to change on our outlook and perception of it because we're so used to just being spoon fed stuff from our doctors and expecting pills to work. We don't take any responsibility for things that we can because what like, I read something somewhere saying literally about 80 percent of stuff people get hospitalized for is um, self-inflicted. Mm. Too much alcohol, too much smoking, too much sugar, too much, you know, <coughs> excuse me. It's it's not usually, you know, and then you've got the whole argument of cancers causing inflammation, uh, uh, the stuff we eat causing inflammation, which then causes cancers. So there's loads of stuff. But then, like you say, if we're not going to start talking about it, we can't figure out whether it's an actual cause, can we? Um, so it, was, it is interesting that they still try and, um, the, you know, the, the term vaccine injured is still, you know, yeah it's, yes it's, it's, yeah it's it's not um be recognized i don't know if it ever will be but we can always try but the the mm. thing about looking after our health and being healthy and eating naturally is we've been doing that for hundreds hundreds of thousands of years but now with the uh, big food um that work alongside big pharma um the especially in the western world and now kind of pretty much kind of globally from the way things are farmed to the way they're marketed, marketed, and then processed, and then kind of placed in the supermarket, um, it's all there to make to 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 uh, sell. And if it's there to sell, it's not necessarily healthy for us. In fact, it's usually not healthy. Um, and therefore, we're we're really fighting an evolutionary battle because these uh, companies that um, help form you know, kind of crisps and other junk, they play on our kind of evolutionary need or wants for sugar, salt, um, and then also the marketing aspect of things, right? So now 
I like I, I I would say you can't blame anyone for being obese or unhealthy because um, we're in the system from day one as children, from uh, even from cereals to um, yogurts with uh, sugar in it. A lot of people don't know these things are unhealthy, um, and it's so part of the culture and the and the whole system itself that um, when we do tell someone it they get offended because it's like so part of them. Um, however, and you know, th this wasn't the norm. If you ask your, maybe your grandparents or maybe your kind of great grandparents, they didn't have any of this and they were healthier in, in, in that sense. They had loads of other things to worry about, but in terms of the food and nutrition, um, they didn't have to worry about that. And then the big food work with big pharma, because if you're unwell, then the pharmaceutical industry also profit. So, they don't and they never look for root causes because if you look for root causes and actually cure the individuals then you wouldn't make money so it's like enough to get you by and then you're on this treadmill uh on a, on a subscription sort of basis um and then you die so junk food uh, processed food um loads of meds go to the doctors and the doctor cannot fix your problems your you know your life problems in 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 10 minutes so you go back to doctors again you give them more pills because that's how the doctors have been uh, trained uh, again in the big pharma model and then uh, you get unwell um, you can take more pills get more side effects take more pills get, become more unwell eat more drunk because the root cause is not fixed and then you and then you die so that's that's the system that we're in because the root cause isn't fixed and when i was a doctor uh, working i would take people off meds um i would help them lose weight um i would give them more um like mag i would um, not prescribe but i would tell them you know if you have kind of sleeping issues why don't you take some magnesium instead or why exactly do you have sleeping problems and then you would find out they're actually depressed you know so mm. instead of just giving going to the pill but it's easy it's easier for a doctor to just to prescribe the pill because it's it's a 10 minute uh, conversation so you don't we don't have the time mm. um, and if you if we did take the time there'll be a backlog so people you know will start rushing so it has to start from somewhere and individual responsibility is where it has to start and i think freedom especially health which is uh, tied to freedom starts from the from from the from uh, one right you can't be free in a group you have to be free kind of individually and as individuals you become free in a in a kind of group or like a, a society and as we've mm. learned if we give our health or freedoms to an external source then that will it will always be compromised both our health and freedoms and now as we can see in the pandemic both were so tired we gave our health and our freedom and a lot of people are now, are now suffering mm. um, so yeah um, we can't really blame individuals, but we have to start from we have to start somewhere. Oh yeah, I know. If you're being a lot more compassionate about it than I am, I mean, no one made those people continuously, you know, pick up the burgers and eat it. I mean, look, mate, I love burgers. I I love burgers. I love meat, uh, and I could just sit and eat big BKs, not Domino's because they're a little bit dry. They make, <laughs> they make them a bit salty, don't they? Um, so oh uh, people sorry guys <laughs> stuff flying around my head today but anyway yeah i love burgers so uh, I'd, I'd gladly eat burgers every day but i tell myself no because <laughs> i'll get fat 
and it's bad for you. So, but yeah, okay. But you're a doctor. See, this is where as paramedics, you know, we're a little bit more like get up, mate. <laughs> Whereas the doctors are sometimes like, you can't speak to the, the second time we've been out to this dude in a week. Um, but yeah, I thought, but we're, we're, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's like a stepping stone of clinicians, aren't we? We're always, um, you know, doctors are always up here. We're always down here because we're always, we're like the rogues. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> no, no. I mean, I mean, um, I can't even say it's a doctor thing because, I mean, even during the pandemic, as you, might remember mm. yeah we were selling or we were giving people uh, uh donuts you know in hospitals yes we were and we weren't saying anything so i don't know and i see everyone the same i see the paramedic as as important as the doctors um and actually something i give the best handovers are from paramedics you know yeah um they they deal with trauma the best i it used to work um you know obviously kind of a &E when they come in um just the best handovers from trauma especially or um anyone with um, a serious injury the the comparing the best problem the kind of paramedics would just know the patients um really well and mm. they would kind of give you like what the what the answer is or what the kind of uh, diagnosis is at, at the start and then yeah, we would do yeah. all our tests and everything and at the end we would come to the same diagnosis so yeah i see i say everyone has the same so yeah that's, that's good of you. That's good of you. I think we, we, you're taught in healthcare to try and do that anyway. But like you said before, it's a certain type of person that, that can do that because you have to not stereotype. But if you do keep it under wraps and hide it well <laughs> uh, and have boundless and endless amounts of empathy, uh, function when you've got horrendous decision fatigue for, mm. for ages. Uh, and then when you make a mistake, panic for, for months um, that you're going to lose your job. So, you know, this is a great commercial for working. In, in <laughs> so, uh, so hopefully. OK, what um, I know you've uh, you, you said you, you touched on, on the supplements and things like that, because I've been trying to get this information out of doctors because it's very easy to get information from. We, we I, I tend to know more about the, the how the system works in the States with pharmaceutical agents, reps coming out to, to surgeries and wine and dining doctors to get them to use their products and everything else um but i don't know if, if it operates in a similar sort of way do surgeries get uh kickbacks or you know recommended drugs that that they should use or is it is it completely a different system in regards to um surgeries can't make money from certain drugs can they essentially so they in a way they can so it depends mm. on how they're coded so right. um if for example the way that general practices work and get money uh, is basically by how well it, they run. And that's basically um, determined by their basically kind of like a, a points kind of system. Mm -hmm. And the way that's um, done is if a doctor can kind of tick uh, boxes off when they see a patient. So if I see, if I see you, for example, and I ask you if you're, um, if you've, had your uh, if you're diabetic for example and, and i do that's okay so like if you're diabetic and you need a checkup um if i do a, a blood pressure a urine dip um and a kidney test for example then i get the and then the practice will get paid for those points at the end of the day but also whether i'm prescribing the right things at the right time um the practice will get um points for that and then we'll get paid in that sense in terms of vaccines though i think um gps were getting paid um for the vaccines and actually promoting it and um 
and also kind of giving out as well. So that's that, mm. that's why there was a big there was a big push in that sense as well. But also other things like kind of screening um, and other medical. Um, uh, what what do I can't can't think of the word, but other things in in terms of what they kind of practice can do. The more things they can do in terms of minor surgeries and kind of kind of yeah. screening, then the kind of surgery will get more will get kind of paid for that. Right. As well. Yeah. So that that's your your sequins and your quaffs and all that as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I remember I remember so this is what I could right, okay. I remember I remember because we used to, uh, my last job we were doing home visits for, for GPs. Um because obviously they stopped visiting patients during COVID, but we were fine. Um, expendable would be the right word I would say. But anyway, so uh, we were going out doing the home visits for for the doctors, and uh, they would say to us when we were there, they they would say, "Well, you're going with the patient," and sometimes we'd be in ten minutes just looking at a foot or you know diagnosing, treating UTIs and all that kind of stuff. But they would say, "Well, while you're there, is there anything else you can do?" We're like, "Yeah, there's loads we can do." And, and then they, that's when they gave us their sequin and quaff lists. And we were looking for it. And it's like blood pressure, like you say, blood pressure. What well, you don't do a blood pressure on a patient when you go and see it, see the patient. Mm. And then it turns out, I didn't realize this. Well, I, I do, but I didn't. As a paramedic, you do OBS on everyone, right? They sit in this chair. And while they're speaking to you, you put the sats probe on the thing, you're doing the blood pressure, you've got the tympanic in there, you're coming at them from all angles. And before they finish telling you the story, you know that they're systemically well. And, you know, the, a doctor don't touch you. Right, unless he has to or she, you know what I mean? And then, because I say, did the doctor not do this? Did the doctor do that? No, no, no. All oh, right, so he, he let you go out the waiting room within, without an ECG with chest pain. Okay. You know, cardiacs, you know, and all that. But so, yeah, so it was just me menial stuff that they were asking us to do. But apparently, like you say, they would get about, if you got all five sequins, I think, or six sequins per patient, they got about 115 quid per patient. And a 50,000 catchment area, 150, mm. you're talking a lot of money mm. um, for the surgery. And that's when I was like, hey, this is a game. This is a money earner. This is so, so um, yeah, I didn't realize it was like that. But I, I knew, the, the, but they're mainly, like you say, diabetic foot reviews, your blood pressures. Um, I can't remember what else, depending on the ailments of the patient, weren't it? Like regular INRs, regular cholesterol um, mm. and other bits and pieces. But I didn't know whether they did the similar sort of thing with medications but then they wouldn't need to would they because they'd be earning money from what it sounds like just being clinicians <laughs> i wish i got yeah, paid yeah. some money for the blood pressure <laughs> everybody. I, know, I know right <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry god you know they just throw money at you doctors don't they like this come on doctors, here's the money you know that's uh it's the it's this payment for you guys literally selling your soul because i know you know people don't realize you do your 12 hours or your 10 hours and then you've got all the the scans the interpretations of results that you've requested from days before, then you've got to ring your patient. He's got a potassium of one uh, and tell him to get a hospital. And, you know, so people don't see it. Like, scans, check <laughs> rays, you know, but, you know, hey, oh, and you have to write letters as well, uh, um, yeah. you know, to people and stuff. But anyway, you got out. <laughs> you got out, yeah, I got out. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, so okay, what, what other, well, a couple, I've got quite a few questions really, but um, so, you know, I was I found it fascinating when I was looking through this because there was a doctor that I was speaking to that was able to get ivermectin because her partner was Indian. So she was able to get it shipped, you know, via family and all that kind of stuff. And I remember speaking to that doctor uh, and asking what a good recommended dose of vitamin D was and if I should take it with, uh, with K2 and if so, how much. Didn't have a clue. Didn't know what vitamin K2 was. And I was a bit like, but you're a doctor. 
And that's when I spoke to my other friend, Dr. Cartland, Dr. Dave Cartland, which I'm sure you know. And he told me you get about five minutes on nutrition and that's it. So uh, you, uh, I believe you've got some, um, you got a little bit of expertise in that department. Uh, I don't know about expertise, but I, um, <laughs> I like, I love researching and I like looking after myself and I like help, I like, I like to teach. So if you go on my, if you go on my Twitter and type in uh, thread, you will see um, a lot of threads on many different things from ivermectin to sunlight, vitamin D. So yeah, I can talk about anything you want really. So um, in terms of vitamin D, um, there's vitamin D3 and D2. What I always recommend, and people hate me for, for I mean, for this, because they want a tablet, and they want a, they want a pill, and I say sunlight. Mm. sunlight 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 and if you're not getting enough via sunlight there's something wrong in terms of your your metabolism um so you, sometimes usually gut health uh, related or you, do, you or you don't have the co or you don't have the cofactors so not enough magnesium for example so if you're not getting enough vitamin d from sunlight now it depends so 37 degrees altitude uh in the northern hemisphere and in the southern kind of hemisphere up and down in the winter time we're not going to get a lot of sunlight that's making uh, vitamin d3 but in the in the summertime um get as much sunlight on your skin without uh, sunscreen but make sure you don't burn um and that will give you enough vitamin d3 uh, as long as you're eating mushrooms and kind of oily fish and things like that uh, kind of throughout the winter if you've had enough um to yeah as a keep you going throughout the winter more importantly if you have darker skin um yeah. you know that's uh, and yeah don't don't put any sunscreen on because that just defeats the, the point and on top i would take mag uh, magnesium because that's just depleted um in the food supply and that's the one thing i take regularly um mag magnesium glycinate i was just, just gonna say, can i just interject real quick yeah because I, I remember seeing a video that i take uh, magnesium um, and I, I was watching a video the other day and I didn't realize this. There's, there's so many different types of magnesium mm. and you should be looking because uh, a lot of people say it, it clears them out. You know what I mean? It could be a bit of a natural laxative, but then that's apparently the wrong type of magnesium, isn't it? Unless it's, which is the, uh, which is the right one for the right bit of magnesium that you need. So there's, there's different types. So, yeah. um, if you're interested, I've got a free guide. Um, if you go to my Twitter, yeah. Yeah, it's, it goes over all different types of magnesium and, and all the studies and why it's good. But I take magnesium glycinate. So it's got a, a glycine molecule, basically. And both of them help with sleep. Um, and it's got, for me, um, minimal kind of stomach issues. If, you've if you're taking a lot, then you'll get kind of stomach issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that one's good. and helps with sleep and it's um, well, that's well tolerated. So I would probably recommend that one. And that's good on... Uh, in terms of vitamin D, uh, helps with that. Now, if you're mm. taking a supplement, because some people still want a supplement, um, then, I mean, D3. Um, and then I can't really give recommendations on how much because it's all depending on your blood, um, mm. your, your kind of blood levels, really. So I would take a vitamin D uh, uh, kind of blood sample and then take some vitamin D, go slowly, and then take another blood sample if you can, maybe six months later and then see if it's gone up or down and then you can kind of titrate uh, with that mm. uh, because obviously if you take too much it can kind of affect your calcium metabolism which you don't get if you have natural sunlight 
So that's the that's the thing. Yeah. Right? So if, if it's yeah. natural, then you won't get any issues with can calcium. Now, vitamin K2 uh, is a type of vitamin K. So there's 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 loads of different types of vitamin K, but um, the most popular is vitamin K1. So the doctors would know vitamin K. Um, for example, warfarin acts on, on vitamin K, um, and then it makes you more likely to uh, bleed. So mm -hmm. if you give vitamin K for people who are on um, warfarin, or uh, we, we used to anyway, uh, to counteract that. Um, but anyway, vitamin K2 is different, um, where it uh, moves the calcium from your kind of arteries and your vessels into your bone. Um, so because vitamin D also works with calcium, the vitamin K2 also moves the calcium away from the arteries and decalcifies um, basically your um, arteries and moves it into the bone where you need to. Um, now, what's important, oh, not what's important, I would even with vitamin K2, get it from natural sources. So um, uh, blue cheese, that's, that's, that's a really good source of vitamin K2. That's and if you, if you don't like uh, blue cheese, uh, natto. So some people might not know what natto is. It's fermented uh, soybean, very popular in uh, Japan. But some people may know natto because of natto kinase. That's where natto kinase comes from. So if you do have natto, it contains natto kinase, which is um, one of the uh, spike protein, but also um, is a cardiovascular um, kind of enzyme it um, makes the blood less uh, viscous but that uh, natto itself also contains uh, vitamin k2 so it's a pro-heart healthy food you can get it from your local kind of asian shop normally in the uh, frozen section um, it tastes bland if you don't put the sauces on but you can i i have it next to my steak um, and my blue cheese so then i get my vitamin k2 in in, in kind of those uh, two things and i also have my steak so uh, i always opt for natural stuff because the food itself it itself also has natural cofactors so you don't have to worry about over supplementing or under supplementing other things um and yeah for vitamin d always uh, sunlight okay i'm going to give you a list of the stuff i take <clears throat> right okay, and i'm going to completely abuse my position here but i'm going to give you a list of of stuff that I take and 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 because I I don't have a great palate for diet um but you know but I was told years ago that I had a I'd vitamin D deficiency when I went to the doctor just for some round I think it was a spout when I my skin was playing up really bad years ago now but um she never told me how much but she said you need to take a vitamin D supplement for the rest of your life <clears throat> didn't give me a script and didn't tell me how much I didn't ask though either because I was um I can't even remember I don't think I was I was a paramedic then yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Anyway, so I should have thought, but I didn't. But that's what I was. I was a completely different person back then. So it's um, it's I just went okay, doc, and then uh, didn't, didn't you know? So right, so we discussed a bit. I'll take the vitamin D and K two, but I I um, I think I'll start changing for the K two. I'll take uh, glucosamine and something else that goes with it, beginning with CH. I can't remember. It's supposed to be good for my ligaments and tendons yeah. as I train. Um, and then I will take turmeric in a, like an oil capsule, mm -hmm. which is supposed to help with inflammation um i'll take knack because that's supposed to be good for my heart and my cardiovascular i'll take zinc 50 milligrams because that's just supposed to help keep the negative charge on your cells so it propels other viruses away and i think i'm trying to visualize my pills now. and then my magnesium in the morning on an empty stomach 
and I think that's about it. Mm -hmm. Is that okay. all right? Yeah, yeah, that's good. So okay. the zinc, I would say, um, don't make sure you don't over supplement because it can make you kind uh, of immunocompromised if you over supplement. Oh. Because we have copper and zinc and copper work together, and people don't know that there's a ratio that you're supposed to hit. Um, well, we don't normally take a copper blood test or a zinc blood test. So mm, if you're yeah. over cost supplementing the zinc and it it, um, it can offset that balance between the copper and cause issues down the line. And if you're taking zinc, um, if you want to supplement naturally zinc, things like kind of oysters, oysters at least once a week, but you don't like oysters. Um, <laughs> I mean, who, who likes oysters? I'm just going to go to the shop, darling, get myself some oysters. <laughs> you know I'm middle class of you. <laughs> I'm not, but I, I take, you know, <laughs> I always just because of the health benefits, really. I know, I'm just messing, I'm just messing. <laughs> but I mean, seafood and um, is usually good for that, but kind of, kind of oysters are good for magnesium, zinc and many other things in it. So if you, if you like, or would like to go more, more of a natural route, then yeah, one or two a week is enough. Um, and then uh, things like uh, liver um, will have things like uh, copper and pretty much many other vitamins that um you're it's more bio kind of available than having vegetables really um if you have yeah. liver so you can have things like i mean pate um you know or you know on like some uh, sourdough bread for example um or nando's do a good uh, chicken liver uh for example which is really, which is really tasty if you don't really like to kind of say the chick of uh, liver and then what, what, it, what else do you take? Uh, glucosamine, yeah, it's good for the joints. Um, Carmen, yeah, um, I can Coffee visualize, yeah, I can visualize what it is. Um, yeah. So again, that's great for the joints, um, good for recovery after the joints. Um, I would also say if you don't mind having things like uh, soups and kind of bone broths, um, fish head soup or kind of bone broths, they will naturally have the glucosamines in them um and they taste they have loads of other vitamins and minerals that work together on if you want to help your joints even more um vitamin c and uh, collagen so if you have bone broth have some vitamin c with it and they that will drive the collagen into the your joints and then what else do you take you said uh, magnesium we've discussed magnesium. yeah uh knack as well knack yeah i can't think of a natural supplement that replaces that but knack is good um, I take NAC here and there. Um, with most supplements, I don't take it regularly because I like to give the body a break. Um, right. Okay. And to and because we just don't have long term uh, studies on these things. Apart from, I take magnesium um, fairly regularly. But apart from that, I like I, I see if I'm going to be in a high risk situation. For example, if I'm not slept for a few days, and then I'm going to London, for example, then I'm like, okay, I need to give myself a little bit of uh, scaffolding but if you're generally mm. fitting well and your nutrition is good so if you're getting your kind of organ meats meat um good vegetables eating kind of whole foods and exercising well and getting good fresh air and sunlight then supplements are supplement you know you should only supplement here and there but knack is good um knack is a good it's good for the liver as well helps to uh kind of detox as well um antiviral um mm. as well and then what else do you take did you say that was it pretty much that was it that was it yeah that's a, that's that's a good stack i think some people take uh quercetin so quercetin works works well with zinc yeah um, i've heard that i yeah. didn't want to take any more like you said though because i was a bit oh turmeric i'll take as well oh um, so yeah yeah 
So that's, tum- that's been yeah. proven to be good, isn't it? For inflammation, yeah. Turmeric. Mm. So the thing in turmeric is curcumin. Um, so curcumin is the bioactive molecule in turmeric that's been well uh, studied. And if you want that to work really well, you want to combine that with black pepper. So if you have turmeric supplements, mm-hmm. if you want um, the turmeric supplement to be really effective, then actually go for curcumin and black pepper. So turmeric is good. Um, you know, we in my culture, we use it to wash meat and uh, chicken because it has antibacterial uh, properties. But curcumin itself in turmeric is amazing. It's got so many different um properties from anti-radio anti um sorry anti kind of heavy metal toxicity it can can bind on to kind of heavy metals um antiviral antibacterial anti-inflammatory um the list goes on really so it's it's a really good supplement to take oh do you know what right i, I often think because this is i often think if it was easier for people to get a blood test without having to go to your doctor because you go to your doctor and go can i have blood test what for what's wrong with you nothing well no then yeah. <laughs> okay, but what what if something might be wrong, but it's not presenting any symptoms? Well, come back when it starts showing symptoms. Hmm. Nice one, Doc. You know, so there's no kind of like um, prevention. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's or prophylactic sort of sort of advice for people. Because what's a blood test cost? Well, actually, no, they cost a lot of money. <laughs> they do, depending on. I've realised this when we started asking for INRs and certain things because they were saying certain specific blood tests actually cost a small fortune. But you, you can't. Anyway, I yes. think the best they could do is develop a prick test, prick te- test kit. You know where it tests without you having to spend hundred quid to send hmm. to someone. I hope that's the future. I don't know when. I mean, it'd be nice yeah. to have a little machine at home just to give you blood and they'll do it for you. But there's there are companies that there are kind of private companies like there's one called uh, Thriver. So if you're interested in vitamin D and if you're interested in um, testosterone, for example, I've done a, a self-experiment where I ate uh, 12 eggs a day for 30 days and I checked my cholesterol levels and my vitamin D and I used them. I'm not getting paid for them because I'm, you know, I'm, it's, it's mm. not a, a promotion, but um, I use them and there's a GP there that gives you advice from them. So be careful because when I looked at the advice, it was not all 100% correct. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's useful um, but i'm not sure how you know if you want to go into the in the in the really kind of deep stuff and look at um hair sampling for kind of heavy metal t- uh, toxicity and um other smaller kind of uh, molecules then it's going to be more expensive uh, not in thriver i think other companies will do it but you know independent smaller companies but that'd be more expensive and more important than going and getting your blood test done is making sure you know who can interpret that interpret yeah. the blood test and not someone who will just scam you, you know, because it's very easy just to look at it being like, oh, you need more copper, for example. Um, I have a, co- a copper supplement. Why didn't you take this? Or yeah. you have to really know and use the most up-to-date research to um, help people and not, you know, the advice already is not well-known in terms in, in the medical field. Mm. And so it's kind of gate, it's kind of gate-kept in this handful yeah. of individuals so just make sure you find someone who has your best interests at, at heart yeah it's so difficult i mean we've just been sitting there slagging off the pharmaceutical industry and then you start trying to find i found this when i started trying to look into supplements you know you got um 
you got so many conflicting papers. You're like, you'll find, you know, three papers of this or one paper and people are going off one paper. And you're like, one paper? That's a bit weak, man. You know what I mean? Have you have you read it? Have you, you know, checked it? So it's, um, but then obviously if they put loads of effort and studies into it and they find out that they do really do good stuff, it's going to, you know, that you can buy these things that are off pattern and cheap, then, then they're going to, you know, make themselves bankrupt by mistake, aren't they? Essentially, can't have us all healthy, can they? Like you say. There's that and also... Um, the FDA can't uh, patent natural stuff, so they, there's no money in d- doing these studies. So mm. there will always be a limited amount of studies in natural supplements. So right. I always look for a few different types of data. I look for real-life evidence. So m- most things I not recommend, but most things I talk about, I've taken, mm-hmm. and then I, I self-experiment and I check. Um, the other thing is um, I look for historical kind of evidence. So I'm interested in in kind of in uh, mushrooms, for example, um, and human chaga. beings have been using chaga, yeah, a turkey tail, lion's mane, all these things. So human beings have been using it for thousands of years. So that's mm. evidence. So you can't discount that as not as, you know, unscientific, it doesn't count. It, it counts. But you have to also understand that ancient man was healthier, living different lifestyles. So, you know, um, and there are studies now coming out for mushrooms, but again, it will never be as much as a pharmaceutical synthetic drug. And, you know, we can go into why that's the case, but um, it's difficult to recommend, or not recommend, it's difficult to look at the research for natural stuff, but it's always going to be, there's always going to be a lack. Mm. But um, at the end of the day, make sure you can get, if, you, if you're going to go natural, make sure you've got your foundations right. Make sure you, yeah. you're doing stuff like sleep, stress exercise and food and then actually if you do those things really well you find that you don't really need supplements um and you might need less and if you do those things well the supplements actually work much better for you um but yeah we need new different philosophies as well and the way these things work as well so yeah we need some random controlled trials done, don't we, with people taking these supplements and stuff perhaps as well, like actual proper, you know, as if it was a, yeah. a medication. And yeah, then you yeah. keep accurate doses and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I feel like we've only just, I mean, shrooms, mate. I mean, the, the, that is a subject. Some of the stuff I've, I've been reading recently about mushrooms and, well, as the Americans say, fungi, but we say <laughs> fungi, don't we? Yeah. Um how they're all interconnected underneath the forest and they can all communicate over like pretty much the whole planet. And they reckon it's some sort of sub sub network, not too dissimilar from our <coughs> DNA or some mate. It was far out stuff, mate. And then there was this, um, there's this specific thing. Oh, it begins with an S. Oh, and they, a lot of people titrate it and it, it keeps you clear and it's helps. There's so many benefits of people taking mushrooms as well. Serot- not serotonin, something else. Some Is it psilocybin. That's the one. Yes. Yeah. There's the dude that's just set up. A, um, he's been doing a lot of research on it, hasn't he? and he's just trying to like desperately do it without before them shutting him down. He was on one of the. Um, he was on my mate's podcast, Joe Rogan's podcast, ages ago. Um, he was talking about that they've been doing loads of experiments in a funded lab in a in a secret location because they're making some really good progress with um, with all sorts of stuff, PTSD and you know conditions and like kind of chronic behaviors and schizophrenia it's awesome man but again it's natural you know what i mean so it's awesome awesome stuff like i'm interested so interested in uh, mushrooms like that's really my natural herb um herbs mushrooms health exercise um and you know being healthy naturally is my real real passion 
Um, I could I could talk to you about mushrooms for another like six hours. Yeah, well, I think I need to get you on because I feel like I haven't <laughs> scratched it. This happens all the time. Uh, this happens all the time. I just go off on these segues, but but it's good though. But right, well, listen, we're approaching the hour five, so I want to ask a couple more questions and then and then we'll wrap up because you know you know what the masses are like. They get a little bit impatient if it's too long, don't they? So sorry, kids. A couple more questions <laughs> and we'll be fine. So I wanted to just go back to something that you said at the beginning. I wanted to just touch on. So you you, you said that you wanted to you would go back. You had a, a death of a friend um and then kind of like briskly swung on for that and i wanted to kind of drag you back to that because i have a feeling that that has a bit of a, a kind of emotional impact on on your story so what happened there my friend so yeah um this was a work friend like a like a work for um yeah he was um we let's say so before we have um before we become gps um we have our training and in the last year we spend our whole year in a general practice so basically it's the first two years we're working in places that we don't really want to work so kind of amy and all these places it's not really where we want to be working so when we um when we go on to general practice finally it's like oh my god finally it's where we want to go where we want to work and it's like a big kind of celebration so i remember talking to him because it's around those around that time and we were just saying like what 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 you know what we're going to do when we finally go into our final year of kind of training to become a gp into our practice and he was going to be working quite kind of close to mine so we were like uh, kind of planning on um going for lunches for example um we and and before that we were in pediatrics together and we had loads of fun looking after babies and children um uh we were kind of on our lunch breaks a lot um yeah really 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 good guy really friendly guy um later uh on um so i think we had transitioned into our general practice um i had i hadn't heard from him for like a week and then later on i get a message from the supervisors i our general practice kind of supervisors um the ones who look after the Kind of deanery for example mm. um, they they said that he wasn't very well and i was like okay not sure but didn't give us any information on, on what happened or what, what what was going on so everyone was saying hope it gets better but he wasn't giving the messages it, it was from them mm. and then a few days after that um they told us that he passed away he um basically after he um on the day that he was transitioning over to full general practice, he went to play football, um, play football with his mates, um, started playing and just collapsed and he didn't wake up. So when I heard that, I could, like I started, <clears throat> I heard that in, um, and I was standing in front of my mom. I, like I still remember it was a warm day and I was outside mm. um, mid workout and I started to cry and it was the first time I cried in front of my my mum, you know, um, at the age of I was either twenty eight or twenty nine, um, and I was just like, wow, a because I lost my friend, you know, like I lost this guy who was we were going to go for lunches, um, uh, we were I remember spending loads of time with him in the staff room and just having loads of fun during kind of pediatrics, but also deep down knowing like I kind of knew what the cause was or. Mm very likely what the cause was let's say because we, we will never know but i always question why at that age all of a sudden would you fall you know if you if it was more genetic he would have 
he would have died younger, let, let's say, but mm. maybe not. But it, and this was before my kind of myocarditis and heart related issues were was mainstream. This is mm. way before then. It was like I was like, okay, this is this is going to be an issue if someone is now close to me has passed away. Um, I'm I was extremely worried for so many young men and men and women, but just kind of people in, in general. And I was like, wow. But yeah, um, went to see his family. <clears throat> um, his dad was his mom and dad were just kind of broken, you know, because they were expecting mm. their son where he was going to be a doctor. Oh, it's their son, you know. Yeah. Um, and just all of a sudden, just no kind of ex- explanation gone and he was he's supposed to get married and had a had a fiance and just seeing her just you know when someone just is look look like they lost their soul you know yeah. like look, look like lost their color like what what gave them life mm-hmm. had gone um just to see parents kind of cry over someone in you know, their child just i i was so upset being in their house and yeah we kind of said our we kind of gave our condolences that day and then afterwards we watched his funeral via zoom but yeah that was a pretty difficult time for me because i just knew what was going on and then losing someone so close um and then just questioning everything at that point yeah it was difficult uh, the only thing that gave me really solace was like i had been going into the water in the park um in, into the stream and at this one point I went and I went into water and I looked up in, into the sky and I just thought, I just kind of thought of him mm. and um, looking at the trees and the leaves, I was like, wow, I'm so grateful that I'm alive. Mm. You know, cause you, you just never know whether, you know, yeah. vaccine or not, let's say you just never know when your last day is. So um, after kind of morning him, let's say um, he, he gave me like his, friendship but then here um knowing him and then also losing him gave him like uh, a real meaning meaningful life mm. uh, as, for, as for myself as well i mean around the same time i had also lost my grandma but i mean for I mean, for different reasons but yeah to lose someone a friend who was young fit all of a sudden and for things i th- i think might might have been the cause you know was quite difficult difficult for me at that point not bad yeah yeah puts you on a certain path though doesn't it yeah puts me on a certain it puts you on a certain path puts you it gives you a certain insight and perspective and not only his passing but and all my grandmas but the the other things i've witnessed and seen and have understood the good and bad over the last kind of three years now i feel like like i tell people the only thing the only reason why i'm here is to help people the only reason why i'm on this planet is to help because everything else seems so petty Mm. you know once Mm. you've seen all these things especially you know even maybe you can uh might also feel the same but you know i've spoken to people who've been back injured you know they also feel i can see like loads of the th- other things they've they've might have been worried about in the past or other people who who that are um it doesn't it's so petty because you really value life 
Mm. And then, and then you go, what can I do with my life at this moment? What, how much about, I want to give as much value as I can whilst I'm here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was difficult. It was a difficult time, but yeah, it puts a different path, but it also gives you just a different uh, insight into, into kind of living, I think. Mm. Mm. It's heavy. <laughs> so there's not much you can say to that sort of stuff. I mean, I lost a friend before before COVID happened, but it was it was sudden and unexpected. And I remember phoning, getting the phone call, and I remember phoning my friends that were close to him at the time. And he just, you know, you don't forget that, man. You don't forget that. No. What got you? Um, what got you banned from Twitter? <laughs> Bad man. I've. I've been, um, so before my permanent suspension, I had loads of warnings hmm. for just putting kind of studies up basically. Um, and, uh, one study that got me a longer suspension before my final, before the final blow was Peter McCullough's study analyzing the VAERS date, um, uh, the vaccine injury data from, from 2021. Hmm. And I had, turn that into a table and put that on um on twitter so it's in the book yeah but I, okay. I put that i put that as a table on twitter basically going you know all the vaccines what what are the side effects and like the, the covid19 jabs the side effects in a table and what they cause and things are like i mean liver transplants and bladder cancer you would only seeing in the in the jabs and it was i was like what is going on like mm. People are getting liver transplants after a jab. Like this, this isn't normal. It shouldn't be normal. After putting that up, I got, I got um, banned for like a week, and then the final, either that or the the final blow was the inventor of Pfizer. Uh, the sorry, the Pfizer boss was saying that he um, had COVID nineteen again or something, and I just retweeted saying, "Oh, and he had taken the jabs," and I, I just said if. If you believe, um, I don't think this is worth word for word, but I said if you believe that this guy has taken the jabs um, and now has COVID, then I can't really help you guys out. Like this guy is pretty much selling his next kind of product and saying wherever mm -hmm. he wants to to do it. And I, that got me banned. I was like, wow. So a study and an opinion. I've you know no no porn, no threat, <laughs> you know no sweat. Good old fashioned banning material. <laughs> So, yeah, really having it, mate. Don't even get. I heard someone the other day that, uh, and I need to do this quickly. They're going to change loads of the some of the wording in some of the old Roald Dahl books. I don't know if you've heard of Roald Dahl, but mm. so they're going to change, <clears throat> I think they're going to change the twits to something else, and they're going to change a few of the words. So, I need to get some copies of that before they, um, yeah, I know, for that. It's, um, it's yeah. Dude, that, that is another rabbit hole for another time. <laughs> I dragged me down some rabbit holes and I ended up saying some stuff that I considered edit, editing out because I thought I'm going to get, and I was like, do you know what? No, because it's, I'm not going to be ashamed of what my opinion is anymore. I'm not going to be offensive to anybody, but if you don't like my opinion, that's fine. I'm not going to be horrible to you whether you like my opinion or not. It's called being a human being. <laughs> People, could, you know, it's like, don't care. That's the thing. Like, if we can't, if, we become regulated externally which is what's happening then that's a form mm. of control freedom is a freedom to be offended to, to be offended is a free it's such a free thing to 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 be it's such a free feeling to have and yeah. people don't understand this because we're in a pc culture i think it's changing but i think um 
obviously not never be hurtful directly to someone and be racist for example or anything like that but you can someone can have a different opinion to you or say things and if you don't like it you, you just move on or just mm. have a conversation to why and that needs to happen and freedom of speech needs to happen to the you know it has to be a a um 100 thing you can't be kind of kind of slightly kind of free speech and mm. regulate something because that's the regulation so self-regulation must happen from within so yeah. we need to learn to, to be adults right if not then we, it, it becomes like a nanny state um which no one wants yeah. well <sighs> right we're approaching hour 15 hour 17 mark so that flew by didn't it always does mm. any okay first of all yeah one question where can people get your book is it only that link i've been putting at the bottom of the page because they can get it or can they get it, get it from any other place that link has other links on there so you can go on yeah. there you can go on amazon you can get a kindle version you can get um soft cool. copy you can get hard copy and you can get pdf and the pdf has links so if you it has all the links to studies and it's in colors and it's in color it's got over 2000 references yeah I've written, I saw that. yeah yeah I've, I've written it as easily as i can um for people to understand but enough mm. so you have information um yeah. so i think i think it's under it's important to learn and understand the science because the future warfare will revolve around science so then you know the more armed we are um i think the better so that's 5G that. warfare. 5G 5G warfare. Warfare. <laughs> yeah, right. um, and not 5g is in for me mobile phone mass fifth generation warfare folks go look it up <laughs> uh any final words then dr each for everybody before you bounce pearls of wisdom you want to pass on to anybody i would just like to say we're here for each other um and freedom kind of exists within you to see tyranny and say something about it to look at litter and can pick it up it's all down to you like and i understand you um people can be fearful but fear is the driver of um of tyranny and um, and if there's fear there's no love um as long as you know if you can if you can kind of abolish fear and stop fear then you will you will experience love like no other and you can have that then you can have uh, freedom and that's love for yourself love for others um and they do everything they can to make us uh, fearful so try your hardest to protect your energy and yourself your family um your and your land and your health because you can't do anything if you don't have your health so yeah that's what i'd like to say well, Dr. Reese, thank you so much for your time today. I want to get you on again because I feel like we were just picking the surface, but um, that's always the case. It's always the case. Yeah. When we get to, when I get more famous, we'll do the three-hour ones and then that's <laughs> it. Right, right into the nitty-gritty of stuff. Um, but uh, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate you and I appreciate everything you've done. Keep safe. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I appreciate you all. Stick around, Doc, and I'll speak to you soon. Thanks, everybody. Thank Take much. care, and I'll see you all on the flip side. Strength and courage. Be good. Let's wait for that.